Hey, Jason here. And Paul. Got a couple quick announcements, fun announcements, before we get to the episode today. So we mentioned on a recent episode that we were working on putting together a Discord and a Patreon, and guess what? It's here. Both of them. Both of them are here for you to enjoy. So let's talk about Discord first. Maybe you're familiar with Discord, but if not, let me give you a quick little idea of what it's about, because I was not super familiar with Discord until fairly recently. So here's how it works. Instagram is all about photos and videos, right? Right. Facebook is all about keeping up with your friends. Yeah, important life moments. Throw it on Facebook. Let your family see. Yeah. Twitter, you know, you just throw out little blurbs and have kind of interactions with people that way. What I think Discord really excels at, what it's specifically built for, is to facilitate conversations and communication with people, like more in-depth than you can do on any of those other social media platforms. So essentially, if you come to our Discord server, you're going to find a bunch of chat rooms where you can talk about the podcast. You can talk about your vacation plans if you want to go to Japan and want to kind of bounce some ideas off of people or something. Maybe you want to ask for advice. You know, we're on there a lot, helping people out, answering questions. Maybe you want to share some Japan picks. Maybe you want to look at other people's picks, get an idea of what kind of places you might want to go. Maybe you're really into anime. Some great anime conversations going on. We have a place for Japan-related memes. All this stuff and more awaits. I've really been enjoying people sharing their travel plans. I think it's cool to look at what do other people want to do? What are other people planning? Yeah, it's been really fun. I'm super excited about this. It just lets us have a more open communication pathway with our listeners. Come for the travel planning, stay for the memes. There you go. So if you want to join the Discord, you can find a link in the show notes for this episode and every future episode. You can also find the link on our website under the travel tools section, because I think this is going to be really useful for people that are planning to travel to Japan or just like Japan, you know. We just talk about Japan. It's fun. Well, Jason, you also mentioned that we now have a Patreon. I did, and we do. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Sightseeing Japan podcast. So you can head on there if you want to further support the podcast. And you get some perks in return. Yeah. Few of the benefits you can get on there right now is early access to episodes before they're released voting on episode topics for upcoming seasons and access to the list of episodes for the current season so you can see what's coming ahead of time. At the $10 a month tier, you can even get a shout out on the podcast. By the way, shout out to Nicholas McKibben, our first Shogun level patron. Thank you, Nicholas. Nicholas. So if you want to join our Patreon, you can also find the link to that in the show notes or on our website under the donate section. Our website is sightseeingjapanpodcast.com, by the way. Have we announced all our announcements? That's it for now. Great. Let's start this episode, eh, Paul? Let's do it. Welcome to Sightseeing Japan. The podcast where we explore the land of Jason and Paul's excellent adventures. Oh, yeah. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And for the last couple episodes, we talked at length about our excellent adventure. And now this episode is going to be part three of that excellent adventure. 
I'm conflicted, Jason. Why is that? I'm really excited to talk about all this and record this episode, but now that it's been a couple weeks that we've been back and we're recording the final recap episode, like it's finally sinking in that the trip's kind of over. I thought you were going to say that you're already starting to think about planning the next trip. I was thinking about planning the next trip before we even went on this <laughs> yeah. trip. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking this third week of our trip, this is the point in the trip where I start to feel like, uh-oh, the end is getting nearer. You know, we're counting down the days and like I, I just try to push it out of my mind and enjoy being in the moment and being in Japan, but it always sneaks its way in, you know? And by those last couple of days, it's just like, oh man, I got to squeeze as much as I possibly can out of these last few hours. I definitely know what you're saying. I didn't get that too bad this time. I think partially because I was really looking forward to the last few days. So I wasn't dreading them. I was really looking forward to the podcast meetup. I wasn't dreading the last few days. I was dreading the end of the trip. True, true. The last <laughs> day where you just spend hours in the, in the airport being sad. <laughs> I was just uh, frustrated and angry in the airports, but that's just me. I haven't told you the story about my flight, did I? No. Well, you got that to look forward to. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah, I was so looking forward to the last couple of days that I don't think it was until the last full day after we'd done the podcast meetup where I was really like, it really hit home emotionally like, oh man, it's all but over. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I always feel like the last couple of days always pretty much go the same. Like it, it's always in Tokyo, right? You got to kind of end in Tokyo if you're flying out of Tokyo. And I like to get there at least a day in advance just to make sure nothing's going to go wrong, you know? Yep. And I always have like a big list of little things, little ideas in Tokyo. But it's like, there's not one big thing that I want to like spend a whole day on. So it's it always just feels like I'm not quite making the most of that the time that I have at the very end, I'm just running around doing a few little things. And then it's like, oh, now the day is over. Like it, they go so fast. It doesn't in, feel like you can really dig in. In retrospect, do you feel that way? Or did you feel like that thinking about those days? What? Were you just thinking that before those days? Like, oh, I just ha I have nothing I'm super looking forward to on these days. Just a bunch of little things. Or is that your thought after going through those days is... I didn't do anything that blew me away. Those were the least fulfilling days of the trip. I guess mostly in retrospect, because like I had big plans for those last couple of days, but like when we were in Asakusa, I had a bunch of little like snack shops and stuff I wanted to visit. And we, I didn't really do that. Like we walked past one of them and there was a big line and I'm like, I don't want to waste a big chunk of my day waiting in line for this thing. Yeah, there was a big line and it was a tiny little shop. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, this is a sad start to the episode. We need to get pumped because we still got a whole week to talk about. Well, I was about to say like the last week was the best week, but then I was like, no, everything was great. Yeah, like, everything The first week really was. was great. Every day was great. Every city we went to was great. It's really hard for me to pick what my favorite thing was or oh, least man. favorite. I know. People kept asking me, what was the best thing you did? And I was like, well, I got like six best things. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, at least a couple of them are in this last week for sure. Well, shall we dive in then? Yeah. So we're on day 15. 
our first full day in Nico. Right. Yeah. If you listen to last episode, we ended with our like half day in Nico. We got to go to the Imperial Villa, see Shinkyo Bridge, do some of that first basic stuff. But this is where we really got to dig into the history of Nico, see the uh, the religious places. Yeah, we went to all the places that everybody goes to Nico for on this day. Exactly. So the place we were staying, did we say the name of this hotel? Because I thought it was a really cool hotel. We, I didn't. Maybe you I don't did. remember. This hotel was called Hotel Natural Garden Nico. And it's like just a bit west from all this stuff that we're going to talk about that we hit on this day. I mean, the coolest thing about it was the outdoor onsen. Yeah. That was so great to have every night. And then we just had to take a bus, like a couple stops, or you could walk for like uh, 15 minutes, maybe. It was like 15, 20 minutes to all the main Nico stuff. Yeah. But so we were coming from like the west side of all this stuff, and we kind of weren't sure what to do first, because the big attraction that everybody wants to see is the Nico Toshogu Shrine. But the one that was closest to us on the west side was actually a place called Taiyuin. So we decided to do that one first. We decided. Did I decide? Yeah, not that I disagreed. but I suggested it, and then you, you agreed, yeah, let's do that. I did like a long pause while I was thinking, and you were like, it doesn't make sense to walk past it and then walk back to it later. Might as well just go in now. You were convincing. But in retrospect, it would have been nice to hit the Toshogu Shrine first just because that's, it gets so busy. I disagree. What, what? It wasn't that bad when we went. I think everything worked out fine. I do think it's good advice for people. If you're going to Nico and you can try to get into the Toshogu first, but it wasn't that busy it wasn't when that we bad. went there. We still got it there wasn't. pretty early. True. But it's such a cool place. It would have been really awesome to be like the only ones in there. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I did get a lot of good photographs though, because I just took them over everybody's heads. Yeah. It's good so being tall. That, that worked out fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Taiyuin. Paul, do you want to say yeah. what, what is this place? What's Taiyuin? It's the mausoleum to Tokugawa Iemitsu. Yeah, he was the third Tokugawa shogun. So if you remember Tokugawa Ieyasu, he, we've talked about him a bunch. He's the guy that kind of started the Edo period, basically. And then Iemitsu was his grandson. Yeah. It is extremely lavishly decorated and quite impressive. It was actually kind of nice going here first in that I was impressed with it. Like I was really impressed with it based off the other shrines and temples I've seen in Japan. Yeah, this place was really cool, like really elaborate, more elaborate than any shrine I had seen until that point. Agreed. But so we've talked about all this stuff in Nico, in our Nico episode, which was episode 80. So if you want to hear a lot more about like what these places are about, go listen to that. Because we talked about how Taiyuin was built to honor Iemitsu, but it was also not supposed to overshadow his grandfather's shrine, because that was supposed to be like the biggest, most elaborate shrine in the country. Yes, exactly. So I was, I just, I was kind of blown away at Taiyuin, because it's like, this place is incredible. If this is so cool, what is Toshogu going to look like, you know? Yeah. Just talking about how impressive it was, some of the things I'm thinking of are the gates just the carvings the intricate carvings all over everything the colors the statues 
the decorations is lavishly decorated. Yeah, every little detail is just so elaborate. Like, you have a lot of that red color like you usually see at shrines as a religious color, but then there's so much more too. Like, you look closely and there's, there's a lot of gold. There's like blues and greens and oranges and, and white and just all these insanely intricate little tiny carvings. It's super impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So right next to Taiyuin, there's a, another place called Futarasan Shrine. What's this place about, Paul? It seemed to be mostly about luck and love-based charms. There were people there collecting water from this little, I don't know, was it a stream or was it a pump or a well? There was this little source of water and people were collecting water from it because it's supposed to give you health and longevity. Yeah, they had like a bunch of big plastic jugs. That yeah, they, they were, were filling up gallons. Yeah. Yeah. There was this little performance that happened while we were there. Yeah. And it kind of happened after we passed the building where it was happening, but then we looked back and heard like drums and singing and they were dancing. The chanting was incredible. I loved it. Like it just set this amazing atmosphere. You know, you're back in the woods and there are these huge cedar trees around. We talked about Nico's cedar trees and like it's kind of a misty morning and then you hear, you know, all this Buddhist chanting and stuff. It was just such a cool feel. It was. I'm glad we went there. I bought a little heart-shaped love charm, Jason. You did. I wrote my wish on it. And then there's this little bucket-like thing that you like like, throw it into. It's like a hollowed out stump sort of thing. Yeah. Shaped like a heart, right? Because it's all about love. Yeah. And I, uh, I came up short. You were really close. Yeah, I was closer than a lot of the ones you see on the ground, but uh, didn't quite make it. That's all right. Did my best. I thought the Bakedoro was really cool. <laughs> I remembered that from the Nico episode, and I was looking for it. And it's like I was kind of surprised at how big and unmissable it was. Like there's this this huge lantern. It's a lot bigger than I was expecting. And there's a sign there that talks about it and how when there was a flame inside, it would cast these shadows that looked really ghostly and creepy and a lot of samurai got freaked out and would swing their swords at this lantern. And I remembered reading that you could see the little gashes in it from where samurai swung at it. And they're really obvious. Like, I mean, they're just just right there. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And a couple of them are kind of big chunks. Yeah, you can see pieces of metal missing. Like, wonder how these swords looked after they were swung. I was thinking how many guys broke their swords. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Very cool. And then past Futarasan Shrine, we finally found Toshogu Shrine. And there's this huge pagoda right out front that was really cool looking. Yeah, it's like half hidden back in the trees. It's really cool. So then as you're getting up to the entrance to the shrine, there's like, I mean, they don't even have like a ticket office kind of thing. They actually have automated machines because there are just so many people that want to get into this. I mean, like we said, there weren't too many when we got there, but later in the day as we, like when we exited even, right, there were just huge lines snaking around of people trying to get to those, those machines to get their tickets. Yeah. We walked back by around lunchtime and it was just a madhouse. I couldn't believe how many people were trying to get in. Yeah. 
So once you get in, you know, of course, you just see all these amazing buildings. And the style is fairly similar to Tayuin with all these intricate carvings and stuff. There's just so much more, so many more buildings, more like just more everything, right? Yeah. More gold, more little carvings. Yeah, I could see why it's so popular. Absolutely. There's yeah. no doubt. We got to see the famous carvings of the three monkeys. The monkeys were cool, but I was most excited to see these elephants. Yeah. There are these elephants that look so funny because they were carved by somebody that had never seen an elephant before in real yeah. life. They have like gold tusks, which is really cool. But then I think the funniest thing is their ears. Their ears are almost like tube-like. And yeah. they're kind of hanging down from the sides of their heads. They're big and floppy. They got that right. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. so rotund too. Like those are some obese elephants. Well, one's like really round, but the other one almost looks more like a lion or something. Yeah, it is kind of a lion-like pose. So that's fun. And then when you get, when you get to the back of the place, you find the actual mausoleum, supposedly, supposedly. Of, of Tokugawa Ieyasu. Go listen to the Nico episode if you want to hear about why I'm not so sure that that's true, that he's actually buried there. Yeah, I did see a plaque there saying, oh, on this date, he was reinterred here, but... They make claims, but go back. You, you'll see. You'll see what I mean. I also thought it was really interesting that right by there, there's this vending machine that sells nothing but green tea. I'd never seen that before. Like, it's got the three rows of different drinks, and it's, each space is filled with a can, but they're all the exact same can. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I guess nothing no, but green tea is holy enough for that place. No, no defiling this place with Coca-Cola. Yeah, right. I kind of appreciate that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It was up a long climb of stairs, too. Yeah. You needed a little refreshment up there. Definitely. So there was a heck of a lot to look at at Toshogu, but we eventually did. Slowly made our way around to everything. It was just all so impressive. I don't know what else to say. Go see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are tons of signs like explaining all the little details and their significance and stuff. You could spend a lot of time there. And nothing's not decorated. Every building, every gate has its own special theme or thing about it. Yeah. Like you won't even find a single square foot that's just like a flat surface without any decoration. Everything is covered in all these little details. And we, I think we talked in the Nico episode about the ridiculous number of craftsmen and stuff that they hired to make this place. <laughs> yep. It's and insane. how fast they made it too. Yeah. So the next stop for us was Rinoji an 8th century Buddhist temple dating back to the founding of Nikko itself. Yeah, this is like the temple that started it all. This is what made Nikko such a holy place. So we took a walk around the main hall, and there was a lot in there, but there were three huge gold-plated Buddha statues that were really impressive to me. Yeah. There was also a garden that we went to. We did. Not the best garden we saw on the trip, but a decent garden. And I'm sure it would have been better. Like this whole time we were in Nico, there were kind of a lot of bare branches in the trees because you know, higher elevation, it was a bit cooler. It hadn't really hit the spring-like look yet. Yep. Yeah, it was a good garden, but we saw such a great one a couple days prior in Osaka. 
Yeah, we saw a little bit of cherry blossoms in this one, but out of all the religious stuff we saw this day in Nico, I'd say Rinoji was the least impressive, frankly. I can't disagree. I feel like that almost undersells it, but the other stuff was just so great that you're right. Um, there was also a treasure hall we went to. That was pretty cool. I like the fact that they had a pretty large portrait of every single Tokugawa shogun. That was crazy. That, that was, was really cool, cool to see. That yeah. was really cool. I was also interested to see this uh, unicorn horn randomly. Ah, uh, yeah. The unicorn horn. Of course, unicorns are mythical creatures. So this was actually a narwhal horn, but that's kind of just as cool. I'd never seen one of those in real life before. Right? If I hadn't seen pictures before and you started just describing a narwhal to me, I'd be like, nah, bro, no way. I keep hearing about grown adults that didn't realize that narwhals were real things. They are kind of amazing creatures. Yeah, there don't seem to be a ton of them out there. Yeah. So once we left Rinoji, we wanted to head over to the Kamangafuchi Abyss. But first, we had to stop somewhere to get some food. And there was, there was this place that I'd picked out and I was excited because it had vegan food and Paul and I were going to get to have a meal together. But then we finally found the place and it was closed for some reason. Yeah. That was a bummer. But Paul, you found this place on Happy Cow, right? You just pulled out your phone and looked it up. Is that what happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we stopped at this cafe. Bell Cafe. That's what it's called? Bell? Yep. Oh, yeah. Because they had a bell outside. Yes. B-E-L-L Cafe. Yep. And they had this Yuba Festa, they called it. And it's just this vegan meal made with a bunch of yuba. We talked about yuba in the last episode. That's like, people call it tofu skin. It's kind of this skin that forms on the top of soy milk if you heat it up. And it's really big in Nico. And I, I loved it, man. And this meal with the tempura vegetables and that little, like the green salt. And was that like a green tea salt? Was that yeah, it? it was like matcha powder and salt. It was so good. It was super good. I will mention that it came with miso soup that was not vegan, but she gave me a seaweed version that was vegan. Did she say it wasn't normally vegan? I thought, because I remember you asking. Yeah, she asked if I was vegetarian, and I said yes. And then she she said, said, oh, "Oh, it's okay, okay, it's okay. And then she brought me a different one than you got. Oh, I didn't know I got a seaweed soup, you got a miso. Got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. But everything else is vegan. And yeah, it was Yuba and like, four different ways and a bunch of great tempura yeah it was super good and i'm not even vegan (laughs) i can eat vegetables once in a while i'll choke them down just kidding (laughs) they were good they were really good jason was a good boy he ate all his veggies i sure did so then we went to kanmangafuchi abyss and this is basically a little ravine with a river in there and this ravine was formed by a volcanic eruption like ten thousand years ago or something Before we actually headed down along the abyss, there was this little shop there selling snacks. I thought, you know, this looks cool. Let's get a snack. And they sold an interesting food that I'd never even heard of before. They called them soba dango. So dango are like these little balls. Usually you see it as like three little balls on a stick. And usually they're made of kind of a mochi type thing. But soba is buckwheat, like soba noodles or buckwheat noodles. So these are little like buckwheat dumplings essentially so i got like three of those on a stick with kind of this miso sauce and then paul you got some other form yeah i got a zenzai with a couple a couple of those in it 
The buckwheat dumplings. Zenzai is like a sweet red bean soup kind of thing that normally has mochi balls in there. Yep. But instead, Paul got these buckwheat balls. It was great. Yeah, I thought they were really good. Even sprinkled some gold flakes on mine. It was real fancy. Yeah, did he bring us out hot tea as well? Yeah, very hospitable. He was asking us questions, brought us a random grip strength test. That was funny. And gave us like a map of the abyss area. Like, it was really cool. They were really great. Yeah, definitely. So the abyss itself is really cool. Like the rock formations, this volcanic rock being carved up by the water. Very cool. Really cool looking. Really like peaceful because you're kind of secluded in the woods a little bit back there too. Like you're totally separated from the town. And then there are tons of Jizo statues around. Jizo is a bodhisattva who's a protector of children and travelers. And you never got the full number, right, Paul? Do we know exactly how many there are? No, I didn't count, but just eyeballing it, I'm thinking about 100. Yeah, there are a lot. And some of them, I mean, they're really old. Like a lot of them are kind of crumbling up. Some of them are missing heads and stuff. Everyone's got the red hat and the red bib on it. It makes them look really cool. And then they're all covered in moss too. Really thick moss. It was really cool. Yeah, and they're about life-size, too. They look like a normal-sized person sitting in a cross-legged position. Yeah, that was great. I'm really glad we saw that. Definitely. Then from there, we walked back to the hotel. I think we walked to Lawson first and got some some food for the evening at the hotel, right? Mm, No. No? Nope. Where did we get food that night? We went to Lawson after the Botanical Garden. Oh, right. We went to the Botanical Garden. I almost forgot. Yeah. Because frankly, that was a big letdown. Yeah. The Botanical Garden was like right across the street from our hotel, basically. Yeah. You're right. It was a letdown. I don't want to like trash the garden. It's just like you were talking about with the garden at Rinoji. Nothing was blooming yet. Exactly. We just walked by a bunch of sticks. It was 100% our fault for the season that we visited in. Yeah. I'm sure during the summer, it's amazing. Yeah, it was huge. It had an insane variety of plants. It had swamps. It had forests. It had little open plains. Like, I'm sure it's absolutely lovely in a different season. But we, we did not get to see much. Yeah, but it was still a nice walk, you know? Yeah, it was. So then we went to Lawson. Yes? Yep. Because the one thing about that hotel, I'll say, is that it's not super close to, like, a lot of food places. I guess, True. especially for Paul. Paul has less options than I do. I probably could have found something closer, but you know, I didn't want to just ditch Paul each night and go have a dinner. And it's just easier to have some stuff. At the hotel, you can wind down. You can take your time at the onsen, have some snacks so you're not hungry before bed, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the convenient food's great. Yeah. I bought too much food pretty much every night. Yeah, me too. And we walked a lot in Nico. The... Bus system there is really great, but the only downside is, depending on the time of day, the buses only come every 20 minutes or every 40 minutes or even like once an hour sometimes. So it just makes more sense sometimes to walk 20 minutes than to wait 35 minutes for the next bus to come, even though it'd only be like a seven minute bus ride to where you're going. Yeah. If you didn't want to do a ton of walking, like I think a lot of people stay right near that Toshogu Shrine. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, most of the touristy stuff is within quick walking distance from there. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to just mention real quick that I found at the Lawson in Nico that I'd never seen before 
is this stuff called rum raisin and milk. I don't know. This stuff just blew me away. It was so freaking good. If you ever see rum raisin and milk in a convenience store in Japan, get it. Better than the banana milk? It's hard to beat banana milk or melon milk for that matter. It was just such a unique flavor that I'd never... It was just... It was exciting to me because it was new and unusual, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. This was the night I tried to do my laundry and failed. What happened? (laughs) The dryer just didn't seem to work. It ran... But my clothes never got dry. Right. That was, that was weird. It was in there for like two hours and it came out like 5% drier than I put it in there. I don't know what happened, but ended up just hanging them around the room and they, they dried overnight. It was fine. That works. And then we did an onsen and that was our night. So that was day 15. Day 16. This day was easily one of my top days on the trip. This was incredible. I, I loved this so much. Agreed. So we got on a bus early. I mean, not super early, but early enough to get to Akechi Daira Observation Deck, like when they opened. So basically, west of the town of Nikko, you got the Oku Nikko region, you got Lake Chuzenji. It's all nature and there's tons, I mean, tons of great hiking around this lake. And we picked a trail that went up to Mount Hangetsu. So it starts or ends, you can do it in either direction, but we started at Akechi Daira Observation Deck. There's a little ropeway that takes you up to this platform where you can get views of Kagon Falls, which is this really impressive waterfall, like one of the top three waterfalls in the country, they say. Yep. So we were there right as the ropeway was opening, and it was kind of foggy out. Super foggy. And they were coming out telling us like, it's too foggy. You can't see anything. There's no view up there. You don't need to go up. And yeah, we were trying to explain to them like, well, we're hiking from the top anyways. And we were also trying to explain we didn't need a round trip because almost everybody gets a round trip ticket. Yeah. And we were like, no, we only need a one way. We we finally figured it out and they let us go up. But right when we got to the top, the fog was breaking. It's amazing how fast that happens. Like, as soon as the sun hits the fog, it just starts clearing up in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So we ended up getting a really great view of the waterfall, actually framed in fog. It was really cool. Yeah. And Mount Nantai. Like, if you look to the right of the waterfall, there's this giant mountain that's kind of the reason that this lake area is so famous. I mean, the guy that founded that Rinoji temple, he went to Nico and found this mountain, right? Isn't that the reason that he was like, this is a really special place? Yeah. So yeah, the views were great. And then we started looking for this hiking trail. And there are really no signs at the beginning of the trail to tell you where to go. But there's kind of only one option. Yeah. Like you got the viewing platform thing. And then off to one side, there's like a little break in the railing where you can get through. So it's like, oh, well, I guess we go this direction. And I knew, like, at least from the map and the compass, like, okay, we need to move west, at least. So, okay, we're pointing the right direction. I guess this is it. Yeah, before too long, you started noticing there were ribbons tied every once in a while on trees. So we were like, okay, we must be on a path here. Yeah, this first part of the hike was the least well-marked and probably the least well-traveled because, I mean, a lot of places, the trail was almost invisible. Like, it was hard to tell where people had walked before, and those little pink ribbons tied to branches were, like, the only indication that we were headed the right direction. Yeah. There were a couple times where 
like I stumbled back upon the trail and that was the only moment I realized I hadn't been on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden you see like some leaves kind of pushed down into the mud and you're like, okay, somebody stepped here. That's a good sign. Yeah. We ran into a little bit of snow and ice here and there, but it wasn't too bad. It was a difficult hike. I think it was labeled as an expert hike or an advanced, advanced. They hike. called it advanced. And it was. It was a lot of hills. Especially so hills. at the very beginning, like where the path wasn't well marked. You're just kind of climbing up and down these mountain peaks, like over and over, up and down, up and down. So we started around 1,100 meters in altitude. And we summited multiple mountains, the highest of which was marked at 1,753 meters. Okay. So that's a pretty big change and pretty high, but we went up and down, up and down many times. Yeah. It was definitely the most intense hike I've ever done in my life and the most rugged. Like you're really off road. Yeah. We saw signs of bears, like trees where the bears had scratched off all the bark. And also, they were actually posted signs warning you, hey, there are bears and monkeys around. Yeah. And you don't really want to get too close to either one of those to yep. look out. Yep. Sometimes you find a signpost, like an actual wooden post saying like this mountain peak is this direction, that kind of thing. Sometimes you just see these little weird like square things poking up just a few inches out of the ground. I've never really seen that kind of marker before. This lets you know it's a trail. Yeah. We saw a couple deer early on in the mm -hmm. hike, but yeah. I didn't see much wildlife after that. No, it was surprisingly quiet in the mountains too, I noticed. Like yeah. not a lot of bird sounds or anything. I mean, it was still sort of cooler, I guess. There was yeah. snow around, so maybe most animals were still kind of wasn't quite springtime yet. Yeah. Uh we climbed Tanuki Yama, Tanuki Mountain. Yeah. Didn't see a single Tanuki. That was I was really hoping I might finally get to see a Tanuki in person. I did my Tanuki call and it didn't work. Yeah. Sounded good to me. I don't know what those Tanukis, <laughs> you know, what they were doing. We got so many breathtaking views because we were up above the lake. So we got so many views of the lake. We got views of the mountains on both sides. No matter where we were and where we looked, it was breathtaking. Definitely. Definitely. Like... So we're heading west, and then on the left side, there are just mountain ranges, like, stretching as far as the eye can see. That was really cool. And then on the right side, you got the water, just, like, really bright blue, surprisingly bright water. And then on the right of that, you got the giant Mount Nantai, and on the left of that are a bunch of snow-capped mountains on the other side of the lake. It was all incredible. It was just one of the most beautiful natural places I've ever been. Yeah. Easily. So eventually we got through all the mountains and made our way down to the lake shore. I just want to say the very best views are from the peak of Mount Hangetsu. That's where you want to be for the best pictures. Agreed. On our path, it was the last overlook and it was the best. Yeah. I'd also recommend if you're going to do this hike, I think we did it in the right direction because you start out with the most difficult stuff and then it gets easier towards the end. Agreed. So, Paul, like you said, we moved down to the edge of the lake. Like, pretty much right after the peak of Mount Hangetsu, you start going down, like yep. straight down to the lake. Yep. And then it's nice. You get to walk along the lake shore back towards town. They got nice rocky beaches. Like, they're almost like white rocks. It looked pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of guys out there fishing. Yep. Saw a bunch of fishermen. 
And once you're down by the edge of the lake, the path is all paved. Like that's yeah, the only part yeah. of this hike that's paved. I was tired, but it was such an easier walk at this point. Yeah, it was welcome after all the roots that we climbed over. And like it's hard on your knees climbing down over these like big rocks. Yeah, absolutely. We got to walk by and around the old embassy villas on the lake shore. There was an old Italian embassy and British embassy villas. Yeah, those are really cool. They were not open to go inside. Like I guess at some parts of the year they're open and you can check out the interior, but I think even in the, the summer. Okay. But even the outside was really cool to look around. So eventually we got back to town and we ended the hike kind of almost back where we started because we ended the hike at the Kagon Falls lower viewpoint. Yeah. So we started with like a distance view of Kagon Falls from above. Yeah. And then we did like this long thing through the mountains and kind of wrapped around and ended right next to Kagon Falls. Yeah. The whole hike took us about six hours. Yep. Although we did take a lot of photos, we rested a little bit to eat here or there. So could be done in five, maybe. You could also do just a section of it if you wanted to. There are a couple spots where like the path crossed a road and you could catch a bus. Yep. If you want to do the whole six hour thing, I'd say make sure that your bowels are as empty as possible before you start because there are no bathrooms. Like zero bathrooms on this entire thing. Uh, until we got to the villas. Right. Which was like four and a half, five hours in. Yeah. 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 yeah that hike. Highly recommend it. One of my favorite Japan memories, I'd say, out of all of my trips. Like that was an incredible day. Very memorable. Totally agree. And that was about it. We were tired. But that onsen felt great that night. Best onsen of my life after that hike. I think that was the night when I had my banana milk ready for after the onsen. And then they had a bunch of manga in the lobby of the hotel. So I sat and read some manga after the onsen. It was great. Super relaxing. Nice. So that was day 16. On to day 17. Day 17. Met some new friends. Yeah, we met up with Jesse and Bethany, a couple podcast listeners. Yep, we met them at JR Nico Station and got on the free shuttle bus to get over to Edo Wonderland. And yeah, let's stress the free shuttle bus because we were looking up how to get to Edo Wonderland from Nico and it was like two hours on local buses and like multiple transfers. Yeah. Any other public transportation to get you to Edo Wonderland, you, you don't want that. You want the free shuttle bus. It was yeah. like, what, 20 minutes? 25, 30 minutes. Straight shot there. No other stops. And free. And free. It was great. Yeah. So Edo Wonderland, it is a Edo era themed theme park. I always describe it as like a Renaissance festival just in Edo period Japan instead of the Renaissance. Pretty good way to put it. Lots of people in costume, lots of interactive things you can do. Yep. As soon as you walk in there, you're going to see people like bowing to you and stuff. And uh, the first thing that happened was they, they took our picture. They got the whole group together, took a picture, and then they guide you into this little... And then they sold us the picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can buy the picture. So of course we had to get that. But like the whole place is beautiful. I mean, it looks just like Edo period Japan. Yeah. You can rent Edo area clothes to wear around if you want. 
All the cherry blossoms were in full bloom. That was really awesome. Yeah, somehow it was full springtime here. I think this the elevation was a little lower it than Nico. It must have been, yeah. yeah. It looked beautiful. Yeah, I got a lot of great pictures of this place. And we didn't even get to go into the uh, film set area. Like right. They actually make period films here, but I don't know if they were actually filming in that time or what, but that area was blocked off. Yeah, we couldn't get it's over there. occasionally open, yeah. but you just got to hit or miss on that. Yeah. I really enjoyed the trip to hell. That was really fun. Yeah, that, that was great. It's kind of like a little haunted house type thing. Yep, we fit right in. <laughs> Demon Jason, Demon Paul. That's right. It's not even Halloween. The maze was pretty fun. Yeah, I the thought. ninja maze. It's like, I mean, it's a huge maze and it's a serious maze. Like, it's not one of those mazes where you just get through it in 30 seconds. Like, oh, that was easy. There are actually secret doors and stuff. Yeah, right. That might have got me for a while. Like, I didn't discover the first secret door. It blew me. I was like, what? There's secret doors? I thought we just kept hitting dead ends. I think we just saw somebody go through one and mm. we're like, wait a minute. This changes everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Paul got to practice being a ninja. There was like this area where you have to get through past all these booby traps. It's like uh, where they have all the ropes kind of crisscrossed with little noisemakers hanging from it. Yeah, and you have to like finagle your way through yeah. I, uh, I did pretty well I, I lightly brushed a couple i'm sorry to say paul you would have gotten caught I, they would have killed you yeah I, I was too big for that yeah you're not really ninja sized probably no nah. they also had we didn't do it but they had like this little place where you run through these swinging axes and there was this little kid up there and he was like really afraid and his dad ran through his mom ran through his older brother ran through and like the ninja working it was really great. Yeah, he was so he, patient he with him. He pumped and this kid up. He showed him. He let the axe hit him in the head to like show him it didn't hurt and like got the kid through. And by then there was like a crowd and we all cheered for him. It, yeah. was, it was fun. It was fun. There was an Oiran show. Oiran are like, uh, they were courtesans during the Edo period. They're kind of one of the predecessors to Geisha. That was interesting. You know, without knowing exactly what was going on, because none of us, you know, were entirely fluent in Japanese. It was still fun to watch. Yeah, like, yeah. You could de- tell there was a lot of humor to it, but their acting was great. The costumes were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And that one girl was really cute. She was. She was very cute. So, Edo Wonderland was the reason we went out there, but I saw there was also this cool place called Tobu World Square. So we figured, eh, let's hit that place up while we're here. Yeah. And uh, originally, Paul and I had intended to walk over there because like, there aren't a lot of trains out there. But Beth was nice enough to call a taxi because she, she actually... She spoke pretty good Japanese. Yeah, she spent some time in Japan and, and was really helpful. A 45-minute walk turned into like a 1,600 yen taxi that we split four ways. So it was... Yeah. It was really cool. It was the right move, I think, taking the taxi. Yes. And Tobu World Square, man. It's so cool. Blew away my expectations. I know. I I expected that this was just going to be a little uh, side dish to go along with Edo Wonderland, but I think it might have actually overshadowed Edo Wonderland. It did. It did. So Tobu World Square, the whole thing is... They have a whole bunch of the world's most famous buildings built to 
I think it was like a 127th scale or something like that. Was the scale consistent for all the stuff? I think the scale changed depending on what exactly it was. I think it was fairly consistent. Eiffel Tower was pretty big. Yeah, okay, maybe, maybe they did a couple up. The pyramids were huge, but yeah. they are huge. Yeah. What I wasn't expecting that was kind of cool is that a lot of them have a spot where you can put in a 100 yen coin and then something will happen. Yeah, that was cool. All these little moving parts. Kind of interactive. Yep. But these models are detailed. There's models of like people wearing the clothes and doing the things they would do in these places. They're super detailed. I think I got a lot of pictures that I can show to people and be like, look where I was. And they're like, when did you go to Italy? Yeah, you could absolutely fool people with these pictures. Yeah. There was an old Japan section. There was a modern Japan section, an American section, a European section. Uh, no Australian section. Yeah, I think there was like an Asian section that had like Chinese and some other stuff. But yeah. yeah, the only thing missing that I could think of as like a really famous building was the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, I was sure we were going to see that. We were talking about that because did we mention that Jesse and Beth are from Australia? I don't think we did. Oh, well, they are. But yeah, so we were looking for that. Yeah. I think the only thing from Africa was the pyramids and the Sphinx. I got to ride a camel in front of the pyramids. Yep. Got American of that. cowboy style, of course. If that were a real camel, it would have bucked you. Absolutely. If it were a real camel, I probably wouldn't have ridden it. It's freaking American. <laughs> Get off my hump. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, man. So, like, so many buildings I haven't seen, too. The Europe section was huge, and I'd seen almost none of them. Blowing me away. It was super cool. And that was day 17. Day 18, we went back to Tokyo. Yeah. Woke up early, took about a two-hour train ride. Ended up at Asakusa Station, and we had a big list of stuff to do around Asakusa. But like I said, we kind of skipped a lot of it because we were getting hungry, right? We wanted to get like a real meal. But we did a few things before that. Yeah. We went to Tanuki Street. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what to expect there. Mostly, I mean, it was still kind of early. I feel like the shops there hadn't quite opened yet. Yeah. But the main thing that is special, I guess, about Tanuki Street is that on all the, were they lamp posts? Yeah, all the street lamp posts. Like down at torso level, they have these little boxes with little metal Tanuki statues inside poking out and looking at you. Yeah, that was cool. And each of them is different. Like they're all interesting to look at there's a couple where the the daddy tanuki has a little tie on and the mommy tanuki has a an apron yeah i like that one traditional uh gender roles you know but yeah, yes tanuki s- are kind of uh, conservative like that just a small little shopping street but kind of fun so on the uh creature theme i guess <laughs> we went to kapabashi shopping street after that Yeah, I've been wanting to check this place out for a long time. The main thing that I'd heard about it is that they have all of that fake food that you see outside of like Japanese restaurants. Yeah. That's really common in Japan. You see like food displays. So the restaurant's telling you what they serve. And you can find all of this stuff in these shops. The fake food shop was really cool. Yeah, I mean, they got huge stuff. Like there's a big bundle of king crab legs. I got a little orange slice souvenir. Yep. They have a bunch of little like 
keychains so you can pick out your favorite food and bring that home. Or wait, were these even keychains? I don't see a chain on there. Some of them were. The one I got has a little, not a chain, but a little loop on it. Okay. Yeah, this street was really cool. Besides that stuff, if you wanted to pick up like a really nice Japanese knife, this would be a good place to do that. Yeah, they had a bunch of knife shops. Yeah. At, at one of them, we even saw uh, a guy was looking at them and they pulled out a cutting board and some like a radish or something so he could yeah. try out each knife and see how it feels. <laughs> they had like pots and pans and dishes and signs. Like there was a store selling signs that you can get customized with your logo and all that. Yeah. Anything restaurant or cooking related, you will find on this street. Mm -hmm. We found a golden kappa statue. That was cool. That was unexpected, but so cool. And I'd never seen a kappa that looks quite like that. Besides his head and his weird webbed three-fingered hands, he looks like pretty close to human. Yep. And then what other kappa related thing did we see, Paul? So we made a quick stop at Sogenji, a kappa-themed temple. It was small. It was quite small. Were you surprised at how small it was? A little bit, but I also like kind of read that about it. Yeah. They had a few cool kappa statues. They definitely did. I thought it was fun. They have these like little stone statues, and they have the little dishes in their heads. And uh, if you listen to the kappa episode, what was that? 100-something? 100-something. Sure. Anyway, it was a really good episode, I think. Kappa are fascinating creatures. But they have this little dish in their head, and they lose all their power when all the water drains out of the dish on their head. So so I helped out these kappa. I wanted to be in their good graces so they don't violently drown me. Yeah. One so, of them was completely empty. Yeah. So I, I had a bottle of water with me, and I filled up their little head dishes. So I like to think that Cop and I, we're, we're buds now. Jason's going to be safe around water for the next five years. Yeah. Although we didn't bring any cucumbers. No, but other people had. There were quite a few on offering there already. Yeah. Kappa are big fans of cucumbers, and we saw a bunch. Like, there were some up by the offering box where you normally throw in some coins, and then there were even cucumbers sitting in the statue's laps, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, the main hall was closed, which was... Too bad, but I don't think it's open too often. Yeah, we didn't get to see the mummified kappa finger that they have there, but I think that's kept under lock and key. Yeah. Well, after that, we both uh, split up and got lunch to refuel ourselves. Yep. And then uh, met back up, checked into our hotel, and I think we explored Akihabara for like an hour, but I was super tired. Yeah, we just walked around a few of the shops like closest to our hotel in Akihabara, but we had to make sure to rest a little bit because we had very exciting plans later that night. Yeah, it was the podcast meetup that night. Yeah, it was right down the street from our hotel at Hitachino Brewing Lab, which is a little bar that I'd been to, I think, a couple times before. Just kind of got a cool atmosphere. They got this little like outdoor area where they have Christmas light kind of things. Yeah, right on the river. Yeah. And yeah. the beer was great. Yeah. But the best part was all the podcast listeners we got to meet. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like, it couldn't have gone better, I think. We weren't sure exactly how many people would show up, if it was going to be embarrassingly few or too many for the size of that bar. But it was, it was all just, it was so perfect. And it was so fun hearing about everybody's trips. 
I think most of the people there were on their first trip to Japan, and I was really impressed with some of their itineraries. Like, they planned some really cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was so nice getting to talk to everybody, and it was really fun seeing everybody talking with each other. Everybody seemed to get along. Everybody was having a good time. Yeah, it was great vibes, great people. So great to meet everybody. Got a few nice compliments about the podcast. That uh, felt really nice. We've uh, been doing this for, what, over three years now? Yeah. Just kind of by ourselves. You know, a few, some emails and stuff, but like actually getting to put faces and personalities to some of the podcast listeners was uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done. Definitely. Definitely. I will never forget that night. And then we closed out the bar. Like they closed at 10, which they, is earlier than they originally they said they were going to. kicked us out, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. But some people wanted to continue the party. So we moved over to a karaoke room, which was also awesome. Yeah, that was fun. I was impressed. It was my first time doing karaoke in Japan. And they had more English song selections than our local place here does. I know. So that was, that was great. That was a really cool place, yeah. What a day. Definitely. All right, so day 19, still in Tokyo. This was the last full day that Paul and I both had together. Yep. Slept in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We were up late and had a few drinks. Yep. But uh, we eventually got up and we headed over to this really cool shopping street. What was it called, Jason? Yanaka Ginza. Oh, that's how you say yeah. it. Yeah, this had been on my list for a while too because it's kind of a retro shopping street like i think i'd always heard it kind of gives you the feel of like what tokyo might have been like in the 50s something like that yeah i would just describe it as like a fun old shopping street yeah it's kind of you know it's a touristy place but not insanely touristy like you're not going to find huge crowds of people there probably yeah but they had like interesting little shops i got a teacup there i almost bought a nice man bag but yeah, I, I tried to convince him. It was a nice one. And I think I actually saw people like on the train later with like that same brand of bag. Like it seemed like a popular brand. Okay. It, it was really nice. I think you should have gotten it. I just didn't think I'd use it much. Spending that much on something I use a few times a year just didn't seem right. It's also a souvenir, you know? True, true. Probably should have got it. Anyway, I don't know. It was a cool place. I was glad we went. Me too. From there, we headed over to Ikebukuro, and the first place we stopped was the Animate store there, which is maybe the largest anime store in the world. It's the new Animate flagship store, they say. I think they say it's the the biggest anime store. I don't know. I've seen big... I mean, maybe it's the biggest single store, but like, you know... There's a lot of anime stuff other places, too. True. It was cool, though. It was. The cookies were interesting. Yeah, I'd never seen cookies with, like... It's almost like they had anime pictures printed on them somehow. Like, really high quality. Like, printed on the frosting on the cookie. Yeah, it's like they just frosted it with white frosting and then somehow, like, laser-printed this picture on it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. There was a bit of food stuff. I was like, yeah. what's with all the anime food merch? That's yeah. a newer thing. I haven't seen a ton before. Another thing I started to see there, and we noticed this in Akihabara too, but like, I feel like in the past, everywhere you go, there's the figurines. 
like 3D anime figurines. And that's still a thing, of course. You see that. But what I noticed on this trip is a lot more just flat acrylic things. Like they take a clear plastic piece of acrylic and then print an anime figure on it and then just give it a little base so it can stand up. Yeah. I feel like I hadn't seen a lot of that kind of thing before. I hadn't either. But they're kind of cool. I'm kind of into them now. Yeah, except that they're like just as expensive as figurines. Uh, just as expensive as the cheap figurines. But figurines get hundreds of dollars yeah. for the nicer ones. I don't know. The nice thing about these acrylic things is that they're easy to dust. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit of merch there, but one of the coolest things was they had this huge manga section. So I kind of got to see like what was front and center, like what's the hot new manga right now so I can go check it out later. Yeah. If you're into boys love stuff, they had like a whole floor for that. They had a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next, we went to Sunshine City, which is kind of a famous shopping complex in Ikebukuro. And this place was huge. Like I I thought it was kind of just a big mall sort of thing, but there are like multiple buildings it was like four malls all loosely attached to each other. Yeah. Easy to get lost in there. Yeah. I don't know. We probably spent 45 minutes looking for the place we were trying to go. Yeah. The Pokemon Center was insane. Yeah. There's like almost an entire floor dedicated to the Pokemon Center. They got all these like life-size statues of human characters and Pokemon. There's a uh, Pikachu Sweets Cafe. Uh, where everybody's wearing Pikachu hats and they make cute Pokemon food for you. Yeah. I don't know. There were like a lot of activities too. If you have kids that are really into Pokemon, this would be a great place to go. I mean, they would love it. Guaranteed. Yep. If you're into the trading card game too, they had like a room, like a battle arena for the trading card game. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. But what were we actually looking for in this place, Paul? We were looking for the largest gachapon shop in the world. Yeah. I'd seen it. I think Google Maps calls it the department store of gachapon. Okay. And uh, I mean, when you show up, it actually says gachapon Bandai official shop. And I know in the past we called these gachapon. This one says gachapon, like S-H instead of C-H. Yeah. I looked that up because I'm like, I guess I've heard both of these words used. I think gachapon with the S-H is actually a trademark for Bondi. Okay, okay. And then Gachapon is like a generic term. Okay. Something like that. But yeah, this place was insane. Thousands of Gachapon machines. Yeah. And to be fair, there were a lot of duplicate machines, Mm -hmm. but there's still just, I mean, the biggest variety you're going to find in any single place. Yeah. I got quite a few. Me too. (laughs) We spent quite a while in there and probably... Too many yen. But, I systematically uh, went up and down the aisles trying not to miss anything cool. Me too. And when we left, I was like, oh man, I just spent way too much in there. But now in retrospect, I wish I had bought more. I got the ones I wanted. Although I maybe wish I would have tried a couple of the machines more to got some of the ones I wanted more. You know, like each machine does five or six different things. I didn't always get my first choice and I kind of just settled on the one I got. Yeah. I'd never really thought of it this way before, but... Jesse, our Australian friend, he called Gachapone like gambling for kids. And it totally is. You really want that one that one prize and you got to just keep feeding it money until you get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, but at least you get something for it. 
Yeah. Like gambling, you you just lose your money. Yeah, but when you get duplicates, it's like, oh, this is worthless to me. Yeah, and then you give it to your buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, after that, we headed back to Akihabara, and yep. I bought a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then Paul's bad influence made me buy a bunch of stuff. I totally blame Paul. An hour ago, you were just telling me, I wish I would have bought more stuff. I know. I'm glad I got it. So my good influence got you to buy more stuff. You're welcome. There are pros and cons to your influence. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I got some pretty awesome figurines. Miku figurines, if anyone's wondering. Oh, I forgot our hotel had an anime mascot. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. I got a picture with her. Yep. <laughs> uh, in Akihabara, I stopped and got some more Kobe beef on a stick at this one like food stall, uh, just kind of on the sidewalk. I'd actually, I remembered seeing this place on previous trips and I finally stopped and got some. Yeah, I saw your eyes light up like, oh, I need to get one of these. Yeah. It's like, all right. You know, it wasn't as good as the Kobe beef that I had in Kobe, but it was good. And that was it on day 19. Day 20. This is where things started to get sad. This was the day I had to leave. Yeah. But... We made the most of it. Yeah, that was a, it was a fun morning. You found us the best freaking arcade, Jason. So what I did, so when we were in Kobe, I found a Project Diva arcade game. This is a Hatsune Miku rhythm game, and I've been obsessed with the PlayStation version of this game for years. But the arcade version of the game is, is kind of old now. Like It's not super popular anymore, so it's not in every single arcade. But I had so much fun playing it in Kobe. I just Googled where to find this game in Tokyo. And I found a website that listed out all of these arcades that had the game. And there's one like right by our hotel, like just a few minute walk. So we went over there and they had a ton of other rhythm games too. It was great. Yeah, I don't know if it was because it was the morning or whatever, but it wasn't busy at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Jason just parks at the Miku game immediately. And I went exploring, and they had Tycho. They had a pretty cool initial D drifting game. Did you play that? I played it a few times. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I missed out on that. They had darts upstairs. I played a few rounds of darts with myself. It was great. I had so much fun. We were there for like three, four hours or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and the time just flew by, and I wanted to spend more time, but I had to leave to go catch my flight. Yeah, it was great. That was one of the things I wanted to cross off my list is like, I just want to park in an arcade and just play all the games I want to play. Yeah, and my money went farther than I thought it would. Like, I thought I would just burn through all my money, like staying at an arcade for hours. But, yeah. you know, you, you put in a hundred yen and you get like three songs on Tyco or three songs on DDR. It's like, like 10 minutes? Yeah, you're getting like 10 plus minutes out of each one of those. Yeah. And, so like, even if you're bad. even if you're putting in coins like one after the other, like six hundred for an hour, like yeah. that's that that's like four bucks. That's pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was cool. I spent less than I thought I would. Yeah, me too. I almost wanted to get one of those cards. Like you know how you can you can create an account and get a card and it like saves all of your settings and everything. And I bet you get discounts like as you you know, get higher scores mm -hmm. and stuff. I bet they give you little perks like that. Yeah. 
that would have been nice because like playing the initial D game, you couldn't continue. So like every time it was like I was starting again with nothing unlocked because I didn't have one of those cards, you know? Yeah. And on the Miku game, there were some settings that I wanted to change. And every time I put in a new coin to start a new session, I had to reset all those settings to my preferences and stuff. So we split ways and I went to the airport and you went on a little adventure. I sure did. So first I ate some of my favorite cup noodles from the convenience store. Look for the cheese curry ones. If you like cheese and curry. Oh man, they're so good. I even brought some home. Uh, And then I got on a train and then another train and then a bus. And then I walked for a while to get to the Ironheart store. So if you heard our episode about Japanese denim, you'll know why I was so excited about this. Ironheart is, has a reputation as one of the top denim brands in the world, like in existence. And I was excited to get these super heavy 25-ounce jeans. And I mean, this store was incredible. Jason just throws out, oh yeah, 25-ounce jeans. Like, no, you guys don't understand these are like three times thicker than like a normal jean. They're insanely thick. Think of like the thickest canvas bag you've ever felt. They're thicker than that. Yeah. I'm going to grab them for in a second and you can feel them and react to their thickness. <laughs> but, uh, but let me tell you about the store because it, it's kind of like just in this random neighborhood. And I turned a corner and saw it. And I'm like, all right, this is it. And I walk up and... So part of Ironheart's aesthetic is it's kind of built around motorcycle culture. So I see this garage open with a bunch of motorcycles in there and then kind of these biker looking dudes sitting right outside the garage and they all kind of look at me as I show up and I just like kind of nod to them and like head into the store. And one of them gets up and he's like works there and he follows me inside and like is showing me around at all the jeans and I'm like telling him I'm looking for the 25 ounce stuff. And, uh, he was super helpful. Like the, the customer service there, you know, we've talked about how it's customer service in Japan is just great in general, but this place was over the top. I mean, he was super helpful and like he helped me try on a couple different sizes and like told me how much they would stretch. Not to take anything away from this guy's awesome customer service, but when you go somewhere that's selling clothes or anything for like hundreds of dollars a pop, you're you're more likely to get really good service. That's fair. That's fair. But still, I've been to expensive places where they clearly just don't give a crap and they're just there to take your money, you know? Yeah. This place, they really care. That's awesome. You know, it's like, do you, do you need these hemmed? Like they do free hemming. And he offered me coffee. I don't know, just really helpful. And like, I don't know, just, just everything in this place is amazing. Like if you're into really high quality clothes and you're okay with spending a little more for that, go to Ironheart everything their their jackets coats shirts jeans everything's just amazing it's just amazing anyway so i got these jeans let me grab these jeans and let you put your hands on them it's going to blow you away okay all right jason give me your jeans grab the jeans do these even bend so i washed them to get all the shrinkage out like as soon as i got them home and they were so stiff after I let them air dry that they stood up on their own. Oh my goodness. Like I laid them down on the couch with the legs hanging off the end of the couch and they didn't 
flopped down. You know what I'm saying? They just pointed straight. <laughs> I believe it. These are incredibly thick. And look at that leather patch. Look how thick that thing is, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Aren't they gorgeous? The stitching is immaculate. I know. The craftsmanship just, is top-notch. They're perfect. These jeans are indestructible. Try buttoning the fly. Like, just try to get the button through the hole. Just the top one? Any of them. Oh, got it. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Once they're on, they're not coming off. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to. Okay. Just leave them. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to undo that. Yeah, I'm Those so excited. Those are some cool jeans, bro. I know. They're going to last me the next decade. I bet. I bet. And then you just hugged your new jeans on your uh, two and a half hour odyssey <laughs> back to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to get out there. So Paul left at like one, right? Yep. And I left pretty quickly to get out to Hachioji. Did I say that's where it is? It's kind of like pretty far west of kind of central Tokyo. Okay. Kind of in a suburb. Yeah. So it took pretty much until evening to get out there, get the jeans and get back. The guy even like, he walked me out and gave me directions to the nearest bus stop and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So I love public transit and I love especially Japanese public transit, but that's like the one time where it'd be nice to have a car. When you got to transfer like four times and take trains and buses and this and that, like, oh man, I could just drove that in 50 minutes straight there, you know? It wasn't as bad as I thought. Like I was a little nervous about getting that far out there Yeah, and taking a bus. I'd never taken a bus in Tokyo before, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, but we took buses in some of the other cities before that. Yeah. In Tokyo, though, you got to get on at the back and then off at the front. Okay. Just a little tip. Okay. Good to know. Pay when you leave? Yep. Well, you know, you tap your Suica on the way in and then on the way out. You do anything else that day? Uh, that night, I just went and walked around the shops in Akihabara a little bit more. Bought a couple more things I didn't need. Okay. I was just waiting at the airport as my flight was delayed yet again but they didn't tell me it was going to be delayed until I got to the airport. So mm. I was at the airport for like four, four and a half hours or something before they even started boarding my plane. Lame. Yeah, that's how it goes. At least my flight didn't get canceled. I'm hearing all these horror stories about flights getting canceled. That would be a nightmare. My friend at work the other day was about to go to Europe and like the day of his flight, they canceled his flight. So I think he made it because I haven't seen him in a couple of days, but... <laughs> I was like, that's awful. Yeah. So you had one more partial day? Really just a few hours. Yeah. Let's see. I think I slept in a little bit, maybe got up around like nine or 10 or something. And like, I didn't think I would really have much time at all before my flight. So I was thinking I'd just kind of take my time in the morning, get out to the airport but then, like, as soon as I woke up, I got a message saying that my flight was already delayed. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay, I guess now I'll have time to hang out in the arcade a little bit more. So I went to a different arcade that also had the Project Diva game. Okay. And I spent a couple hours playing more of that game. I was glad I got the opportunity to do that. And then I headed to the airport and had some time to kill. I got a little hot dog at a cafe there. It wasn't great. You know, it was airport food. But I was still hungry, so I went and got some udon, which was actually quite good. And then I went to my gate, and I sat there. And my plane continued to get delayed 
multiple times. And then we got on the plane. And then the pilot's like, hey, so we'll be leaving uh, in a while. He's like, oh, we need to, there's this bag that got on the plane that shouldn't be there. So we need to search for that and get it off the plane. Oh, man. And then he got it off the plane. And then he's like, so I'm going to take responsibility for this because I thought we were speeding things up. But I actually like, I don't know, he made some decision maybe with the bag thing that actually slowed us down. And then they had to like do something else. And they were just, you know, he kept getting on the loudspeaker over and over again to say like why we were still not moving. Yeah. (laughs) The plane ended up leaving like at least three hours later than it was originally supposed to. Delays are bad, but delays once you're on the plane are the worst. Like, yeah, you got an over 10 hour flight and then you're sitting on the airplane for an extra hour, two hours, three hours. Like, oh, that's the worst. This is the least comfortable place I could be waiting for things to happen. Yeah. (laughs) I got about eight hours into my flight and I was like really uncomfortable. Yeah. For like the last uh, few hours there. Yeah. So we took off. I slept for a decent chunk, which helped. Well, it helped me on that day that I didn't have to be miserable in the plane, but it didn't help with my jet lag once I got back. But uh, yeah, that's the end of our time in Japan. And wow, what a great trip. So biggest surprise for me was how great Tobu World Square was. And then I was like, maybe I should do the play, the highest recommendation. And I'm like, I can't even pick one place. Oh, highest recommendation. Uh, Kagoshima, Kobe, Nico, uh, <laughs> everywhere. Do everything that we did. Like, just take that whole three weeks, do exactly what we did, and you'll have a great time. There we go. My very favorite things, if I had to list the top things, well, podcast meetup. I mean, maybe, maybe not everybody can do that, but that was great. Start um, a podcast, wait three and a half years, do a meetup in Japan. Yeah, highly recommended. <laughs> but so the hike in Nico. Absolutely. I loved that. Um, the bike ride around Sakurajima. That's definitely in the top. Yep. My bike ride on the Shimanami Kaido. That was amazing. Sure. The ropeway in Kobe up the mountain and then hiking back down through all those gardens. Yeah. The, the mountain in Kobe, Nunobiki Herb Gardens. That was really cool. I think that's the main stuff. I feel like I'm missing something. I was really happy that I had very little jet lag on the way there, like yeah. adjusting. So I just hit the ground running. We just did a million things. My jet lag kicked my butt coming back, but whatever. I was back home anyways. Yeah. Another fantastic trip in the books, Jason. Already cannot wait for the next one. All right. What's, where are we going? What time of year next? So we have to do a summer one to climb Mount Fuji and a winter one to go snowboarding and hang out in the onsen and go up to Hokkaido and Tohoku, right? Yeah. I might want to do Hokkaido in the summer, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm thinking for the next one, maybe a summer trip where we climb Mount Fuji and then head up to Hokkaido Ooh, and yeah. explore around up there. I like that. Okay, here, here's what we do. Fly to Tokyo, climb Mount Fuji like right away. And then as soon as we get back down, fly to Hokkaido because it's going to be cooler up there. I don't really want to be in Tokyo in the middle of summer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed our recap episodes. I enjoyed them. 
Me too. If you want to see pictures and videos, actually, here's what I'm going to say. On Instagram, I made a little recap reel of each day of our trip. So if you want to see what we did with your own eyeballs, go to Instagram. We're at SJP Podcast there. I also have thousands of pictures from our trip that I'll be posting over the next several years, probably. Yeah, yeah. So look for that as well. Where else can people find us, Paul? They can find us on Twitter at SJP Podcast. I'll be posting the hundreds of pictures I took over the next year or two, probably. Our website is also a great resource, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us for our next episode which is going to be about ninja. That's right. Took us quite a while to get there. It seems like kind of an obvious topic. Well, it took a while to uncover all their secrets, Jason. Okay. You got all the knowledge at Edo Wonderland, right? They, you went through all that I ninja went through training. The training. Yeah. I'm a certified ninja now. All right. Excellent. Can't wait to hear about it. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.